What did you want to do when you were growing up? I'll uh, race around with the microphone in just a moment and I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about, you know, when, when you were a little tacker, what were the things that um, you wanted to do if you had some idea of this is the sort of job that I'd like to do when I grow up and I'll get some of your responses in just a moment. When I was a little kid, when I was a little tacker, for a few years I wanted to be a garbologist. A garbologist. It was back in the day when in Brisbane, um, the garbo or the, the rubbish man, the, um, the council worker would ride on the back of a garbage truck and run through backyards, hopefully dodging a few dogs and all those sorts of things, um, pick up the rubbish, take it out the front and then uh, drop it in the back of the truck and then bring back the empty bin to the backyard again. And you'd work till lunchtime and then you'd have the afternoon off. And at Christmas time, you would have all the different houses, many of them would put little treats, little presents, little gifts on the garbage bin lid for the garbo to collect when he went through and he did his rounds. Does anyone, did that ever happen in Melbourne? Yeah, okay, so I'm not speaking a foreign language to you or anything like that. They all play football? Yep. <laughs> and so I'm not sure about workplace health and safety and hygiene of putting food and all that sort of stuff on top of garbage bin lids for the garbage to collect, but that's what they used to do. But what about others? What sort of things did you want to uh, do or what, what was your dream of what you would like to be when you grew up, when you were a small child? And if you want to contribute, then I'll race around with the microphone. Just pop up your hand and I'll come around and... Uh, yep. Yeah, Helen? I wanted to dance on big stage in Melbourne with a ballet company and I did that. I started wow. dancing when I was four and a half because I was so little and skinny that the doctor thought it would help me. So my ambition was to dance with a company and I did. Wow, there you go. What about others? Someone else, what you wanted to do when you were a little kid? Yeah. Yeah, I always wanted to travel, even when I was really little. We had friends that did a lot of travelling and would come and share their experiences and I had this, uh, you know, I just had this love for travel and to experience um, other countries and cultures. And, yeah, I've been really blessed that I've been able to do quite a bit of that. Wonderful. Okay, Israel? When I was about seven or eight years old, I always wanted to be a scientist. A scientist? Okay. Could have been the first Cook Island scientist. Wow. It didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> so I'm still here. <laughs> and when I was in high school, I always wanted to be a policeman. Mm-hmm. Did all my tests, found out I was three quarter inches short. Oh, no. So I missed it. End up being a butcher. A butcher. Okay. So from a scientist to a policeman to a butcher. Okay. There you go. Now, Joe, did you put up your hand? Yep. Good on you. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a motor mechanic and I started pretty early. Uh, one day I grabbed my grandfather's bison bit and bored a hole through the radiator of my father's car. <gasps> oh, no. He wasn't impressed. Really? I just... <laughs> Did he actually have you fix it or no? <laughs> yep. All right. Anyone else? Got... Uh, I uh, 
wanted to be a motor mechanic, yep. we shifted uh, from uh, Melbourne to Shepparton and uh, I got an apprenticeship in the motor mechanic. Yep. And uh, when I completed that, uh, I was uh, attracted to the police force and uh, I spent 37 years there. Okay. And uh, now I'm retired. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, I was, when I was young, well, my father was a lay minister. But not that I didn't like him, but we got some uh, priest. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, somehow I got this attraction to become a priest. Okay. I wanted to become a priest when I was young. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> one last one. <laughs> Looks like Marion's being dobbed in. So, I wanted to be a conductress on the trams so I could wow. punch the tickets. There you go. I became a hairdresser. You became a hairdresser. Well, come along for lunch and you can punch the people's tickets when they collect their lunch. You could do that. All right. Um, I'm actually wearing my father-in-law's watch. Uh, my father-in-law, uh, Rex, who some of you met when he, he and Joan were down uh, for over Christmas, he worked in the Commonwealth Bank for 39 years. For 39 years and what was it, 10 months or 11 months? He didn't want worry about going to the whole 40. He thought, ah, oh, no, I've done enough. So 39 years and 11 months he worked in the Commonwealth Bank And uh, he got his gold watch from the Commonwealth Bank and he's gifted it to me, which is a very generous thing. But compare 39 years and 11 months working for the same employer to some of the recent research. According to McCrindle's 2014 report, it is predicted that by the age of 75, the average Australian school leaver will have around 17 different employers in their working life, so 17 different employers and five different careers. Five different careers, 17 different employers. That's changing jobs every three years and four months on average and changing a career every roughly 11 years. And I can't help but wonder whether part of the issue or part of the challenge of why people change through so many different jobs is because uh, they, they are challenged by and find it difficult to understand what their purpose in life is. Having a purpose in life is like having a rudder on a ship. It doesn't matter which way the wind blows. When you have a rudder, you can steer the ship with the end goal in mind. When you don't have a rudder, you're left adrift at the mercy of whoever or whatever circumstances blows on you the most. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn to Luke's record of the life of Jesus. A purpose, a purposeful life, a life of purpose. And if we turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 4. So why does the life of Jesus deserve such attention? The non-Christian Jewish historian Josephus considered Jesus as a man of significant influence and a leader who had an impact 
on the world around him and made a positive difference. Jesus was someone who faced massive decisions, dealt with fame, had huge amounts of pressure to conform and yet was his own person because of the belief he had in his own purpose. And beyond this, as a follower of Jesus, the Saviour, I believe he is the greatest role model of what it means to live with purpose today. As we take this snapshot of the life of Jesus, a life of purpose, it's worthwhile noting that a life of purpose has more to do with being clear-focused than it has to being goal-driven. So whether you're a multitasking, time-poor, competitive, flush-the-toilet-before-you-finish-peeing type A personality or a laid-back, relaxed plotter who has as his pastime watching the butterflies and smelling the roses type B personality, a life with God's purpose is a life well-lived. Turn with me. To Luke chapter 4, verses 38 to 44. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got a different translation, I'm sure you'll be able to follow. After leaving that synagogue, the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please help her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons and the demons came out at his command shouting, You are the Son of God! But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched for him everywhere, uh, searched everywhere for him. And when they found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around preaching in the synagogues throughout Judea. In Luke's account, we find ourselves in the early stages of Jesus' three-year ministry, a time when temptation would be high to quickly establish yourself, to gain a, a following, a reputation, and through this, to increase your ability to have a positive influence in the lives of others, to make a difference. After all, as the son of, as the saviour of the world with only three years of ministry, then you would want to influence and serve and save as many people as quickly as possible. So to establish yourself in one location and then to build bigger premises and then as the momentum would grow to take on the big smoke of Jerusalem, that is the Messiah Marketing 101 um, handbook. But just when the crowds were getting bigger and more excited, Jesus pulls up stumps. We read once again in Luke chapter 4, the crowds searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. 
So he continued to travel around preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Jesus knew his purpose as we can read earlier in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 27. And because Jesus knew his purpose, when it came to making decisions, knowing the difference between what was a good decision and what was the best decision, Jesus was able to look at his options of staying and establishing himself in one place and he knew that it would be inconsistent with what his purpose was. So despite the encouragement to build the profile, to to grow and to build the momentum in Capernaum, Jesus' purpose gave him direction and helped him to make the decision of what to do and what not to do in his life. But Jesus' decision was not made in a vacuum. Almost as a throwaway line in verse 42, we read this, Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. I believe Jesus withdrew to get perspective, to reflect, to pray, to make sure the decisions that he was making were consistent with his purpose and his Father's will. Jesus does this on several different occasions. Here, and then also before the appointment of the 12 disciples in chapter 6, after feeding the 5,000 in Matthew 14, and also at Gethsemane, before his sacrificial death. For us today, understanding our purpose helps us to make decisions. And not just the obvious ones between right and wrong, but the more subtle decisions between what is good and what is the best. There have been times in my life when I've moved uh, from a state role with international recognition and influence, people questioned why I would not pursue another state or a national role to increase the opportunity to be of influence. When moving into my previous role, I was questioned by some Uh, hang on, you've you've been the team leader in a church and now you're choosing not to pursue uh, other offers that are made to you in that sort of role. Um, Why would you you take, for them, it was a step down from being a, a team leader to be an associate pastor? Why would you do that? Why would you take a step down of that rung if you were trying to climb it? And I said to them, well, why? Because that's what I believe was God's purpose for me. Similarly, when people wondered why Mary and I would move from Queensland's lifestyle and weather, living on acreage to downsize and enjoy the the variability of Melbourne's weather, why would we do that? Because that's what we believe God wants us to do. That's God's purpose for us, for Mary and me. From Luke chapter 4, we see that knowing God's purpose for your life helps you to know the direction you should head. It also helps you to discern the good from the best and it's discovered by regularly spending time with God. And isn't it great when someone has a real sense of purpose in their life? You know, when, the, when they know what they're about, what they're up to and they get on and get into it and do it and they're just so appreciated by others. Isn't that right? Not always. It's important to understand that When you discern what God's purpose is for your life, 
that some other people may not necessarily like it. A few things I take as a given in making that statement is that God's purpose is um, what we're talking about here, not just your preference. So when we're talking about these decisions, it's not just based around your preference, but it's about God's purpose. And that it's God's purpose and not just someone um, being you know, really recalcitrant or just wanting to act against logic and, and being self-righteous even when what they are um, or plan to do is God's purpose, we can sometimes mishandle the way we go about living out God's purpose in our life in such a way that it can become offensive to others when it need not be. But keeping those things in the back of our mind, living a life of purpose will not always be popular. If we turn a little bit later, In Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56, we read this from another snapshot in the life of Jesus. As the time drew near for Jesus, for him, Jesus, to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messages ahead of him, uh, ahead to uh, the Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. For Jesus, having a sense of purpose was at times a challenge to his popularity. A Jewish-Samaritan rivalry that had come to a head when Jesus was only a couple of years old, still had repercussions 30 years on. And where Jesus had hoped to go to a Samaritan village for some support, for some hospitality, because he was a Jew and because he was going to Jerusalem, he received what amounted to be a slap in the face. Because Jesus' purpose took him in a different direction to what the Samaritans wanted. They would not even welcome Jesus in, his, in that town. Jesus was, was treated with contempt because he was going on to Jerusalem. On another occasion, Jesus' purpose involved associating with tax collectors such as Matthew or Zacchaeus. And for this, Jesus was despised by the religious elite which reminds us that when we are following God's purpose in our life, it does not mean that others will automatically support or even like your decisions. They may not be popular decisions. They may, others may reject you because of your purpose. They may even actively work to sabotage you as you attempt to live out God's purpose in your life. Turn with me to Luke chapter 13 verses 31 to 33. Luke chapter 13, 31 to 33. For Jesus, a life of purpose was given clarity by spending time with his Father. And as a result, he could discern between the good and make sure that he was targeting the best. A life of purpose meant that he was at times rejected by some. But also for Jesus, a life of purpose enabled him to deal with intimidation and bullying Knowing your purpose helps you to deal with pressure. In Luke 
chapter 13, verses 31 to 33, we read this. At that time, some Pharisees said to him, Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, Go and tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and the third day. I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today and tomorrow and the next day I must proceed on my way, for it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. The Pharisees were in conflict with Jesus' purpose and they were prepared to manipulate and bolster their position by using others to push their point. On this occasion, they used Herod Antipas to try to bully Jesus into compromising his purpose through fear and intimidation. But once again, Jesus knew his purpose and he was not prepared to allow others to bully, intimidate or scare him out of doing what he believed was God's purpose for his life. As we read on, we discover this same awareness of purpose not only helped his legs to stand strong in the face of opposition, but also his hands to stay soft. You see, a life of purpose also fuels a life of passion as we continue to read in Luke 13, 34 and 35. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned and you will never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It's important to remember that a life of passion, being the hands and feet of Jesus, is fueled by living a life of purpose. For Jesus and for us, knowing your purpose by spending regular time with God, helps you to make decisions. It helps you to deal with rejection. It helps you to face opposition. And it also fuels your passion. And the exciting thing is that God can place those seeds of his purpose in your life as a child and as a teenager. It happened for Samuel in the Old Testament. It happened for Jesus' disciples, many of whom were in their teens when they started to follow Jesus. And Jesus knew as a child that he was to live a life with a purpose. Turn back to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 and following, as we read this other snapshot. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Every year... Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed that he was among the other travellers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started to look uh, for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, 
they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? They didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and all the people. For children, for your grandchildren, for people in their 20s and others who have lived longer, you are not too young. Your grandchildren are not too young to discover what God's purpose for their life is. And you are not too old to live out God's purpose for your life. For me, as a teenager, being around 11 or 12 years of age, I met a lady called Connie Sutcliffe, a missionary to India. And in the course of my conversation with her, I told her that I would one day like to be a missionary. And while I didn't end up going overseas to be a missionary, God planted a seed calling me to be his servant and to serve him in a variety of different contexts around Australia. And Connie gave me, and you can see the box on the screen, a box with a little lid that was made in India. And in it it says, for David Toscano, who would one day, um, who would like one day to become a missionary from Connie Sutcliffe from India. Proverbs 3.6. And I've kept it all that time. And now he's brought Mary and me to our church family at Northern, where I remain passionate about local and global mission. You are not too young, nor are you too old to discover God's purpose for your life. What a difference is made when we, like Jesus, discover our God-given purpose. Knowing and living out God's purpose for our life is discovered by regularly spending time with God. He's created us. He knows us better than anyone else, better than we even know ourselves. And he has a plan and a purpose for our life, for the rest of our life. If the only purpose that God had for us was that we would come to faith and become a Christian, then every time someone became a Christian, he would just take them to be with him. Except for all the evangelists, because they have to tell others about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But we are still here. God still has a purpose for your life, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. When you discover God's purpose for you, it helps you when you face tough and challenging decisions. And while these decisions may not always be supported by others, it helps you when you face those tough times. It can fuel your passion and you are not too young nor too old to live out God's purpose for your life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have a purpose for each one of us. 
that you love us, that you know us, that you want to be at work in and through us. And I ask that you would help us not to see that we can retire from your purpose and that our children and our grandchildren, even perhaps our great-grandchildren, are not too young to discover your purpose for them. Help us to be encouraging of others in this discovery process. And Lord, may we have hearts that are open to what it is that you want to say to us today about your purpose for us, your purpose to be at work in us and through us, in our local community and across the globe. Amen. So what's God's purpose for your life, for the rest of your life? Is there anything that needs to change to better align your life with God's purpose for you? And what will help you to move forward in living out this purpose in 2018? There's going to be some music played and Campbell's going to um, press play on the, the CD in just a moment. But as that music's played, I'd encourage you to take out those response cards and respond to the things that God's saying to you today. And then, as I said, as we sing our last song, then I'm going to invite Stephen to come around and collect those response cards from you. And uh, then I'll close with the benediction. God bless you.